But no, I'm super excited to be with you guys. Uh, love Cody and Ashley. Love so many people here, Don and Matt. And uh, just super honored to be with you guys this morning. But we've been in a series called Disruptor. And uh, over the past several weeks, we've talked about uh, four different profiles of a disruptor. I love this definition of disruptor. It says a person or thing that radically changes a system, process, or event and prevents it from continuing as usual or as expected. I love that. Because I think in our culture, disruptor tends to have a negative connotation with it. But I think in order for us to actually do what God's called us to do, I think we have to bring about a holy disruption into our everyday life, a holy disruption. You heard from our Upper West Side community pastor, Danielle, talk about what it means to be a catalyst. And you heard from uh, Cody and Ashley about what it means to be an advocate and what it means to be an investor. And this morning I want to talk to us about what it means to be a builder. A builder. And a builder is someone who constructs something by putting parts together or material together over a period of time. And some of my favorite builders are Bob the Builder. Anybody? Is he still popular? I haven't seen him around lately. Uh, Property Brothers. Anybody? Here's the thing. All I watch at home is ESPN and HGTV. Um, Flipper Flop. All the flipper flops, there's so many of them now. There's the original flipper flop, there's flipper flop Atlanta, there's flipper flop Fort Worth, and I'm sure they're gonna keep being flipper flops. Um, and then my favorite uh, fixer upper, come on, come on, Chip and Joanna Gaines, I mean, oh gosh. And, uh, but no, I, 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 love, I love HGTV. I don't know what it is, but there's something about the process that I just love. I, here's the thing, I've watched several of these shows probably four or five times. I know what's gonna happen. And I'm still tuning in. And my wife is looking at me like, haven't you seen this one already? I say, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I just, just need to see it again. And, uh, but what I love about what those shows are doing is they're taking a house that people have said has no value, been neglected, been rejected, and they step in and they say, no, 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 look at the bones on this house. There's still so much potential here. There's still so much that can happen in this place. And they come in and they start to put new paint on the walls. They start to uncover a little shiplap. See, that's how you know I really watch this stuff. Some of y'all are like, what is shiplap? Uh, but they start to give life to something that people deem dead. They're coming in and they're real rebuilding this dead thing and giving it new life. And my favorite part is, is when they do the reveal. They, they bring the couple and uh, they pull, they say, are you ready to see your fixer upper? And they pull the walls back and it's like the same reaction every time. Doesn't matter what couple it is, same reaction. The wife usually starts crying. And then the husband just stands there so stoic, trying to be stoic. Wow. Now, for my wife and I, that would be flipped. It'd be the other way around. I'd be the one like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Look at the shutters. Look at what they do with the shutters. And my wife would be like, wow. And that's what it was on our wedding day. She came down the aisle. I'm a wreck. And, uh, and she looked at me, and it was just, I was like, I, I thought I thought I you know I thought I thought I looked good, but 
Um, but no, but, they, but here's the thing. They're taking things that have no life, and they're coming in, and they're re- rebuilding these things. And they, they're amazing homes once they're done. But I wonder what would have happened if Chip and Joanna and the Property Brothers and all these flip-or-flop people would have never been able to see the potential of what the house could become. And we see a similar thing happen in the book of Nehemiah through Nehemiah's life. And so my prayer is that we would be challenged and encouraged this morning to build a life that impacts for the greater good, to build a life that looks to build the kingdom by building others up. That's my prayer for us this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And God, I thank you that you are the greatest rebuilder of all, that you are the only one who can make all things new. And so, Father, as we dive into your word, as we dive into a little bit of Nehemiah's story, would you help us understand what it means to be a builder, what it means to be a person who's going to look to build the kingdom by building others up this morning. We love you. We bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, it says this, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that's a name for you. I told my wife we should name our son that. And she automatically, immediately said no. When wine was before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you were not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me the timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the house that I shall occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. And so in this passage, we see that the gates of Jerusalem have been destroyed. The wall has been destroyed. And Jerusalem is in ruins. And Nehemiah finds himself a long way from Jerusalem, living in exile, serving as the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah is informed of the state and the condition of Jerusalem. He's, he's, he's found out that, that Jerusalem is currently without walls. And what the Bible reveals to us about Nehemiah is, here's the thing, Nehemiah was not Chip Gaines. Nehemiah didn't have a degree in construction. He didn't have, he wasn't this master craftsman. And what this has been a consistent theme with all the people that we've looked at in this series is that Nehemiah was an ordinary person who was available to be used by God to do extraordinary things. And that's what I love about Nehemiah. He didn't have formal training. He didn't know how to lay brick and mortar. It it doesn't tell us that. He was just a cupbearer to the king. But Nehemiah hears about what's happening to his people, to his home. And he says, hey, king, I got to go. Can I I go? I need to help 
rebuild the wall. And there are three things that Nehemiah knew how to engage which helped him be an effective builder, a builder that was a disruptor, a builder that brought radical transformation and made a difference in the world around him for the kingdom. And the first one is Nehemiah knew how to engage his heart. Nehemiah understood that in order to be a builder of the kingdom, that he had to allow God to rebuild his own heart so that God could use his heart. That in order for us to be builders, we first have to allow God to come in and do some renovating in our heart. So that we can then engage our hearts in such a way that we're not seeking what we desire, but we're seeking what God desires. Here's the thing, Nehemiah, it says that he was saddened when he heard about what was going on. And what that tells me is Nehemiah had a burden for God's people. And the only way for us to have that burden is for us to have allowed God to do some renovation and some rebuilding in our own heart. And so my question for you this morning is, what breaks your heart? Is it the same thing that breaks God's heart? Have we allowed God to come in and do the the rebuilding that he needs to do in my own life? I remember the moment that I surrendered my heart to God. I was 14 years old. Pensacola, Florida, and uh, the pastor, he did three invitations. It took him three invitations to get me. But ever since I surrendered my heart, when I see something on the subway, when I see something on the street, I start to feel something. I start to feel something that I didn't feel before I had surrendered my heart. And what God is is doing is, is, is in rebuilding my heart, what's happened is that he's now given me a heart that has a burden for his people, a vision for his purpose, and a commitment to his purpose. And this is what Nehemiah had. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, it says this, As soon as I heard these words, as soon as Nehemiah heard about what was happening in Jerusalem, it says he sat down and he wept and he mourned for days. Nehemiah's heart was breaking for what broke God's heart. But the only way that that was possible was Nehemiah allowed God to come in and renovate his heart. So now when Nehemiah was seeing things, he was seeing them from the perspective of God's heart and not his own. Nehemiah knew how to engage his heart. And in this story, we're talking about walls that have been destroyed. And maybe you're in this room this morning and you feel like the walls of your life have been destroyed. Or maybe you know somebody at your job or there's somebody in your family, you feel like their walls have been destroyed. Here's the thing, we got the greatest rebuilder of all. We got the greatest renovator of all. There's only one person who can bring dead things back to life and it's not Chip, it's not Joanna, it's not the property brothers, it's Jesus. And he's the only one, the only one who can make all things new. But we have to surrender our heart. We have to allow him to renovate our heart so that we can engage our heart for his purpose, for his vision, and for his people. Proverbs 27, 19, it says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And here's the thing, our heart helps us to feel our faith. Our heart helps us to feel our faith. That moment 
that I surrendered my heart to Jesus, I didn't understand what was happening. But I felt that this was the only way. And the moment that I said yes, everything started to change. I found purpose. I found passion. And it's the reason that I'm here right now. I wouldn't be here unless I surrendered my heart. And it's the reason that my wife and I, we live our life in such a way where we tell people that we have the opportunity and privilege of serving. Hey, if, if, if it's 2 a.m. and you need somebody, call me. And the reason is, is when we surrendered our hearts to Christ, we have people that walked alongside of us who are helping Jesus renovate our heart. And that's the way that they live. And that's the way we feel called to help build others up is, hey, our door is always going to be open. And people look at us like, you're crazy. You sure? Even if it's like 2 in the morning? I said, yeah. And, uh, and so I had a guy text me about 1.30 in the morning. He said, hey, I need to talk. I got out of bed. I said, hey, come on over. We talked. And um, this guy had, had been coming to church for a little bit. And he just started pouring out his heart. He said, I was listening to the message on Sunday. I couldn't get it out of my head. And I just had to talk to somebody about it. I've been, I've been feeling this thing. And, uh, and in that moment, in that conversation, 1.30 in the morning at our apartment, he gave his life to Christ. But I wonder what would have happened had I not knew how to engage my heart. I wonder if I would have responded the same way to that text at 1.30 in the morning. But that's how we feel called to help build others up. And it's going to look different for everyone. But we're called to know how to engage our heart so that we can seek his purpose, his passion, and his vision. Nehemiah never let his passions, though, cause him to react, but instead respond. Nehemiah knew how to use his head. And in order for us to be effective builders, we got to know how to use our head as well. We got to know how to engage our heart. We got to know how to use our head. I feel like I should be doing head, shoulders, knees, and toes. And, uh, but here's the thing. Nehemiah faced opposition from his adversaries. He started to face opposition from his own people. What started happening was... The wealthy Jews started to take advantage of those who were uh, less fortunate, and it was just causing all sorts of chaos. And in the midst of Nehemiah trying to rebuild this wall, he's faced with all of these things. But every time you see Nehemiah faced with opposition or faced with crisis, he never chose to react. He always chose to respond. Even when the king, he's telling the king, hey, I need to leave. Because this is happening. And the king says to him, what is it that you want? What did he do? He didn't just blur out what he wanted. He said he, it said he prayed to God. He took a moment. He didn't react. He just took a moment. And then he responded. And I wonder how many of us, when we're faced with conflict and we're faced with the situation, we choose to react instead of respond. Maybe there's somebody in your life that God's called you to walk alongside, to build them up to help with the renovation process of their life. And as soon as something comes up, you react to what's happened instead of choosing to respond to what's happened. And what happens is when we react, typically we're reacting to the instance and not the full picture. But when we choose to respond, we say, well, God, what is it that you would have me say? What is it that you would have me do? And then respond 
we respond in such a way where we're going to examine the entire picture. I think about when we talked about an advocate, we talked about Saul. And uh, Saul was a guy who was persecuting Christians. And here's the thing. It says in that passage that the disciples were afraid to uh, allow Saul to come and hang out with them. Could you imagine being in that prayer meeting? Everybody circled up and got the worship music on. And all of a sudden the door opens and it's Saul. I don't know about you, but I probably would have one eye open and like, oh, my gosh, that's Saul. That's the guy. That's the guy who's been persecuting all the Christians. Why is he here? And what, what, what's happening right there is I'm reacting. I'm reacting to an instance in Saul's life. And I'm not choosing to say, well, God, why did you bring Saul here? How can I serve Saul? God, what would you have me say to Saul? What would you have me do for Saul? And when I take a moment and not react to it, but choose to use my head and respond to it, then I'm going to take into account not just what the world has called and labeled Saul as, but I'm going to see Saul and all that God has for him. And if we go on, we see that Saul went on to do unbelievable things. I think about Chip and Joanna. I'm going back to fix her up because I love it so much. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's the same this is how much I watch this same episode every time. These people walk into the house like, oh, I want an open concept. I want, it needs to be open concept. Well, we got to take down this wall. So they start demo day. And they start taking down the wall. And Chip calls Joanna. Hey, Joanna, I got a problem. We start taking down that wall to give us the open concept, and it's a low-bearing wall. So we're not going to be able to do the open concept because it's a low-bearing wall. We've got to put in this massive beam that's going to cost like $6,000 that they did not have in their budget. And that's the only way we're going to get this wall out. And so here's the thing. What, is, what Chip and Joanna do so great is they never react. But they always talk about it. They say, well, what are all our options? They have a conversation about it. They don't just react and say, oh, you know what, we're not going to do it. But they have a conversation. Well, is this the best option? Can we do this? Can we do this? And then they call the couple. And let me tell you, if Chip and Joanna were reacting to the situation of the low-bearing wall instead of responding, that call would not go as good as it does. Could you imagine being on the phone and say, them saying, hey, we can't do what you want, and it's going to cost you another $7,000. Every time I watch it, they, they make that conversation sound like that person's winning $7,000. Because by the end of the conversation, they say, oh, yeah, go ahead, totally, that's totally fine. So you're not getting the full open concept, and then you got to give us seven more, seven thousand more dollars. Yeah, that's totally fine. But they're choosing not to react, but to respond. And I wonder how many people in our life we missed a moment where we reacted instead of responding, and we missed an opportunity to help point them to the greatest rebuilder of all time. And so in order for us to be effective builders, we got to know how to use our head. I love in Nehemiah chapter 5 where he starts to face all of this opposition. There's a verse in verse 7. It says, I pondered them in my mind. Nehemiah was thoughtful in everything that he did. And if we're going to be effective builders, we have to be thoughtful. Imagine an architect building a, a house and drawing blueprints. And what, what if he didn't even draw the blueprint? What if he just wasn't thoughtful at all? He's just like, oh, I'm just going to buy some wood. We're going to throw something up. Not living in that house. Not living in that. But even an architect has to use their head. 
because everything has to be the right measurement. This has to be the right size because we have to make sure that the foundation can hold it. All of these things, thoughtful. We got to know how to engage our head. Proverbs 24, chapter 3, it says this, by wisdom a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. We don't gain wisdom when we react. But if we choose to take a moment, ask God, then we can gain his wisdom and we can gain his understanding. And through that, we start to build the house. We start to build others up. I wonder how many people have walked through our doors and we've reacted to what we know about their past instead of choosing to respond to what God may have for their future. And the only way that we're going to build the kingdom by building others up is by choosing to respond and not react. And our head helps us to know our faith. When we engage our heart and then we engage our head, it will ultimately lead us to engage our hands. I told you, head, shoulder, knees, and toes. Heart, head, and hands. Heart, head, and hands. Nehemiah rebuilds the wall 52 days. It's a process. It didn't happen overnight. But Nehemiah engaged his hands. But here's the thing. Chapter 3 of the book of Nehemiah tells us it's literally all the people that helped him. Nehemiah knew that he couldn't do it on his own. And so when Nehemiah was engaging his heart, he wasn't just engaging his heart for his own sake. But he was engaged, learning how to engage his heart in such a way that he would then be able to help others do the same thing. And Nehemiah wasn't just super thoughtful in the way that, uh, you know, just for his own sake, but he was always considering others and how he would choose to respond to the situation would affect others. Now, if he chose to react, I wonder how many people would have helped Nehemiah. I wonder how many people would have been willing to help him rebuild the wall. But Nehemiah chose to respond to any opposition that he faced. And I think it's the reason that so many people were willing to help him. Literally, the whole chapter just talks about all the different people and the part that they played in building the wall. Nehemiah knew that he couldn't do it on his own. He couldn't do it on his own. And I think that when we know how to engage our heart, we know how to engage our head, what starts to happen naturally is we start to live a life that is bigger than ourselves. We start to realize that there's so many other people who need what I have. There's so many other people who need to have their house renovated. There's so many other people who need to get a little bit of new paint on the walls. There's so many new people who need us to, to pull down some stuff, some baggage that they may have in their life so we can see the beautiful shiplap that is underneath it. And Nehemiah knew this. And so what happens is now Nehemiah engaged his heart, he engaged his head, and here's the thing, engaging our hands is not always about picking up a brick, laying some mortar, and then laying another brick. Look at that, brick and mortar, come on, guys. And, uh, but here's the thing, it's not always about that. But maybe you engaging your hands is saying, you know what, I'm going to take this person who came to church, and I know that their life, that they feel like the walls to their life have been destroyed. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to engage my heart so that I can know what God wants for this person. I'm going to use my head. I'm going to seek God's wisdom and see, God, what would you have me say? How would you have me serve this person? And when all of those things are, are, are where they need to be, I'm not going to react to that person's past, but I'm going to choose to respond to the future that you have for them. 
I'm going to take them by the hand. Maybe engaging our hands is not necessarily about laying down brick and putting on some mortar, but it's simply by grabbing someone by the hand, literally, and saying that I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to point you to the one who can rebuild the thing that you feel is destroyed. Maybe we just need to take somebody by the hand. And Nehemiah knew how to do this, and it's the reason he was able to accomplish rebuilding the wall. And in the same way, Paul and Andy, Cody and Ashley, they realized we can't do what God's called us to do on our own. Even the people that are currently serving on a team, we can't do what God's called us to do on our own. And I believe that there's so many more people in our neighborhoods and in this city and beyond who feel like their walls have been destroyed. And it's our responsibility to come in and say, you know what? I'm going to be a holy disruptor. I'm going to engage my heart. I'm going to engage my head. I'm going to engage my hands. And I'm going to point you to the one who's better than Chip. That it doesn't matter if the wall is low-bearing because he is a solid foundation that no matter what you face, he will always stand firm, secure, never be shaken. That's what we're called to do as builders. That's what we're called to do as builders. And Nehemiah knew this. He knew how to engage his heart. He knew how to engage his head. He was always thoughtful, choosing to respond and not react. And it's the thing that made him so good at engaging his hands. And maybe your next step today is picking up a brick and laying down some mortar. You know, when I, when I gave this message at Brooklyn, I challenged every single person in the room to take that next step to join a team. You know, sometimes it's, it's a, uh, we always think that we're, we're, when we do something like that, that we're, we're, we're always the ones who are like losing, that we're, we're giving of ourselves and not getting anything for it. But what actually starts to happen is God starts to flip that upside down and when you start to pick up the brick and lay some mortar and pick up another brick and lay some mortar, he's actually doing the same in your heart. And so I want to just challenge you. If you feel like that's your next step, right after service, go to the connections desk. Hey, I want to I I be a part of laying down some brick, putting some mortar on it. What's your brick? So many opportunities to serve. You want to say hi to people. Say hi to people. That's a team. Everybody can say hi to people. I personally, not the craziest fan about it. I, that, that gets me all nervous. And, uh, but, you know, I, I just want to challenge you, encourage you, take that step. Be a part of what God is doing. Here's the thing. Some people say, well, I just don't feel like God is moving. God is always moving. It's a matter of what we're making ourselves available to. Here's the thing. Our heart helps us to feel our faith. Our head helps us to know our faith. Our hands helps us to see our faith. So if you're having a hard time seeing God move, then my question for you is what are you doing with your hands? I, I love the worship team, Abby and, and Allison and Jared up here serving and they're leading. They're not just singing songs. They're declaring who our God is. They're declaring what he's done. And in doing so, they're seeing their faith. I think about the people who are the welcome team and when they say hi to somebody, 
It's not just to say hi to somebody, but they truly believe that when they welcome somebody, that it has the ability to change the trajectory of their entire experience here. And so they're seeing their faith. They're seeing what God can do if he allowed that person to rebuild their life. I think about the prayer team. They actually lay their hands on you. They're seeing their faith. And so I wonder how many of us, we, we're pretty good at feeling our faith. We're pretty good at knowing our faith. But we have a hard time seeing our faith. And my question to you is, what are you doing with your hands? Are you grabbing the person at your job that God's called you to grab? Are you picking up the brick that God's called you to pick up? And there's so many opportunities to serve. And so I want to challenge you. After the service, go to the connections desk. Figure out a way that you can engage your hands, helping us to build what God's called us to build here. Being a builder that brings about a holy disruption every moment of every day. And I, you know, I'm so so passionate about it because I know that I know what I felt when I gave my life to Jesus, and I want that same feeling for everybody that I meet. 